Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the 15th Sunday after Trinity is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments about today's sermon, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website, faithlutheran-aflc.org. Now let's join in and hear what God has to say to us today. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the psalm appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 12, can be found on page 939 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 12. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We have uh, fans of Dave Ramsey here this morning. You will know uh, the answer to this question whenever Dave Ramsey is asked, How are you doing? What's his answer? Better than I deserve. That's kind of the question we're going to be taking up this morning with Psalm 103. What do you deserve? To get to the bottom of this, there are a a couple of reactions we need to sift through. Uh, And rather than wait for the right answers to come forth, I want to get down to what you think is actually the answer. What do you, in your heart of hearts, deep in your mind, actually think you deserve? Do you think you deserve a fair shake? Do you think you deserve some of the basic necessities? Or is it more than that? I think the reaction for us in church is the pious reaction, well, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything I have. And and theologically, it's the right answer. We know it's the right answer. Which is why, in the end, we're going to move from what do you deserve to a better question, a harder question. What do you argue with God about? What is it, in the time you spend in prayer, alone with God, that you think God has gotten all wrong? That's a much harder question, but it's a question most of us have been through. It's a question I think most of us would be uncomfortable uttering an answer out loud. 
And so that's why we're going to turn our eyes back to Psalm 103 this morning and try to see things from God's perspective rather than our own. We're going to try to recognize that in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our suffering, God sees things differently. So, first of all, we ought to recognize God's grace. Nearly the entire first half of our section from Psalm 103 this morning is spent in praise of God's benefits. So it's a fairly familiar passage. I was aware of this. I don't think I could quite have gotten it by memory, but I could have probably come close. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And it's really the word benefits that we want to key, on, key in on here for the purposes of this message. Now, when I was preparing this, this sermon and when I was anticipating what the flow of thought here was for David in Psalm 103, I anticipated this word benefits would, would just be kind of an artistic, artful way in Hebrew of saying blessing. Forget not all his blessings. And what's interesting is that's not it at all. The word here in Hebrew for Psalm 103, that it's translated benefits, is a word to describe how God personally interacts with us. In fact, the, the, the core definition of the word is his dealings, his recompense. And so forget not the ways God deals with you. That's what David wrote down here in Psalm 103. And, that, and in this way, we're supposed to recognize God's grace. The way he deals with us. He forgives our iniquity. He heals us. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. And he satisfies us with good. These are normal, regular, and even expected ways God deals with us because this is what Scripture tells us. This is not the only place Scripture tells us either. The reality here is this is the normal way God deals with us, not because we deserve it. Not because we are entitled to this behavior on our behalf, from the God of the universe. But rather, this is David's declaration of praise of who God is. God deals with you in this gracious and merciful way because that's how God operates. That's who God is. And so David wants us to recognize right now God's grace as a function of his character, as a function of his identity, and not a function of what we deserve. God wants us to see him in his love. Because there's a transition coming up, 
And if we aren't prepared to recognize God in this way, we are going to miss the significance of the, trans, the transition. Because David wants us to move from recognizing God's grace to recognizing God's work. And that's the switch. The first verse of the second half of our psalm marks the transition for us. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord works righteousness and justice. The Lord does this. This is how he operates. David needs us to see God in his grace and God in his mercy before we see God in his righteousness and God in his justice. Why is that the case? Certainly, God's righteousness and justice flow from his grace and his mercy. It's quite true. In fact, that's the whole point to establishing God's identity here. But when God works righteousness, when God works justice, he works it in the midst of unrighteousness. And he works it because of injustice. And this is really, really important. Sometimes it's because unrighteousness and injustice have happened to us, and this, more often than not, is why we cry out to Him, why we argue with Him in our prayers, why we're wounded and why we're hurt. We are subject to the unrighteousness and injustice of the world around us. We know what it feels like. We know what it's like. That's the point of David referring back to Moses and Israel. Israel had been unjustly enslaved and oppressed by Egypt. And Moses was sent by God to deliver them, to usher them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And in doing so, God worked many wonders. God identified himself. He did so through the plagues in Egypt, through the crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground, through even the miraculous provision time and time again in the wilderness. And he did this as he delivered his people from slavery and bondage, unrighteousness, injustice, and oppression. But also, in referring back to Moses and back to Israel and back to the Exodus, David is also referring back to the sins and rebellion of his own people. And that's where we need to pay attention. This is where we need to insert ourselves into the picture. This is where we need to be doing our self-examination. God made known his ways to Moses and through Moses to Israel so they could see just how staggering and repulsive their sin was when they grumbled against God in the wilderness. God is slow to anger, but he does get angry at our sin. God does not always chide, as it's written here, but he does chide our sin. He scolds us. He condemns our sin and our sinfulness. God does not deal with us according to our sins, but he does deal with our sin. As we recognize how God operates according to our sin and our guilt and our shame, we start to see what David means when he writes, God works 
righteousness. The reality for us is that God works righteousness and justice for us, but he does this because he's gracious and merciful. He's gracious and merciful to proclaim to us his holy and perfect law so that we might see our our sin. He doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. He, He preaches against our sin. He rails against our sin. He's angry against our sin. He chides us so that we might feel terror and shame and guilt because of our sin. But the design in all of this is not so God might smite us, so that God might snuff us out. It's so that in terror over our sins, in guilt because of our sin, we would flee back to him in repentance because we know him to be gracious and merciful. And so now, we return to the original question. What do you deserve? What do you think you deserve? When you cry out to God, that's not fair. It's never because you've received the benefit. The child who gets the last popsicle, well, his sibling is empty-handed, The child with the popsicle never says that's not fair. The one without the popsicle says that. Doubtless, when you cry out to God in prayer, it's not because you got the last popsicle. It's because you feel you're missing something. You're lacking something. The reality is, you cry out to God in this way because you're suffering. And that's the reality God, through David, is addressing this morning. I'm not here, nor is God, nor is David, to make light of your suffering. And I'm not here to moralize your suffering either. And neither is God. But when you suffer, when we struggle together, when those emotions are raw and the panic starts to rise and we worry God has abandoned us, or even worse, in those moments, God seeks to remind you in his word that he is gracious and merciful. And in those moments, God seeks to do that for you in his forgiveness of your sin, in your salvation, in your eternity. God wants to remind you that he has taken care of everything you need for eternal life and salvation, and he has done so perfectly. In fact, in those moments, God wants you to know that he has taken your sin and your guilt and your shame and he has removed it from you as far as the east is from the west. And this is where the children's sermon has its payoff now. I could not stop thinking about this all week. I've been meditating on this one thing all week. And so you guys get to know what's in my head. I think it's entirely plausible and reasonable that one of the reasons God made the earth a sphere is for this Bible verse. 
Because the east and the west, those directions don't matter. Neither if he would have said north or south. But what he's trying to communicate to you this morning is he has removed your sin to the farthest part away from where it can be. And the beauty of the globe is no matter where the farthest part is, it never changes. So that if you were to move one direction, the farthest point from you always moves with you. And on a globe, on a map, on a sphere, as far as the east is from the west, is as separate as it possibly can be. And that's the message for us to see about our sin this morning. God has not just taken your sin. He's done that. God does not just forgive you. He's done that. He's done that perfectly as Christ took your place on the cross and as Christ emerged from the empty tomb. He did this for you in your grace and mercy so that you might be forgiven. But now he communicates this promise to you. As far as the east is from the west, as perfectly separate as you can be from your sins, that is what God has done for you. No matter what you think you might deserve, no matter how you suffer, this promise, this outcome, this salvation takes care of all of it. That your sin is forgiven in such a way that it's not coming back. That is removed. And that you stand right now before God, His perfect child, waiting for the reality of eternity. And in that reality, all of the promises in this psalm have a deeper meaning. They all touch your need. They all touch your soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Forget not the way God deals with you. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God has saved you. In Christ, He has forgiven your sins. And He calls you now as he does daily, repent and to turn to him and to receive these blessings and these promises. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.